If you've ever walked a dog on a leash near something that it wanted to investigate, you can understand St. Paul's image of straining forward and what that looks and feels like. It's an image of how you and I are to really lean into God's upward calling. Not only does God will us to be saints, but we are to want it, and excitedly so. But this heavenward call was the last thing the woman in the gospel was thinking about as she was being dragged in front of Jesus and the crowd. She was being publicly humiliated for her actions and also equally aware that her equally guilty lover was not being made a spectacle of. Yet Jesus' opponents made it very quickly and abundantly clear that they were not in the least bit interested in rooting out vice and correcting sin in her, in him, or in anyone else. As the evangelist tells us, they said this to test him so they could have some charge to bring against him. The scribes and the Pharisees knew the law well enough, and they were twisting it to their own ends to th at this moment. If they were actually interested in the law, they would have brought the man caught in adultery too and asked Jesus for a sentence on both of them. They were simply using her, the more powerless of the guilty couple, for their own end to entrap Jesus. But if you notice in the scene, while she's standing there front and center with everyone knowing why she was there, for the first part of the scene, she's a secondary character. The main conversation is between Jesus and the scribes and Pharisees. Like everyone else in the crowd, she's simply a spectator, even though they're talking about her. So here's the dilemma that they were presenting Jesus with. If Jesus says, stone her according to the law, they will accuse him of being false to his own teaching about forgiveness and mercy. If he says, don't stone her, they will accuse him of condoning immoral behavior. And again, if you notice, by bending down and writing in the dirt, Jesus is physically putting himself beneath both the accused and the accusers. Many ancient writers see this gesture as a symbol of God taking on our human nature, coming down from heaven and taking the form of a slave. One can certainly imagine the surprising, even startling gesture amid the adamance of the accusers, the palpable shame of the accused, and the curiosity of the crowd as what's going to happen. And wouldn't you love to know what Jesus wrote on the ground? There's lots of speculation, including the sins of the woman's accusers. But the truth is, we don't know what he wrote. All the same, St. Bede pointed out 
that it was this very same finger that wrote the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets for Moses on Mount Sinai. Jesus' perfect answer deflates the woman's vehement accusers. In the end, they are completely thwarted and cannot accuse him of anything. He has both upheld the law and shown incredible mercy. And his mercy even include the hypocritical scribes and Pharisees. For after making his pronouncement that the sinless among them should cast the first stone, he doesn't browbeat them, rubbing their noses in their own sins, but rather stoops down and begins to write on the ground again. He allows their own consciences to rise up and accuse them. And so, those who were so insistent on the punishment of the sins of another a moment ago, coming face to face with their own sins, simply turn and walk away. But here comes the real center of this incident. For the first time in this whole emotionally charged scene, Jesus stands up and addresses the woman herself. And she is by no means off the hook. She is left alone with the only sinless person in the crowd. One can imagine her fright, even her terror, when Jesus stands up and addresses her. They both know beyond any doubt that she is guilty. The judge acknowledges her guilt, but commutes her sentence of death into a sentence of life. St. Augustine beautifully said, this is the voice of justice. Let the sinner be punished, but not by sinners. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus tells her. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. What for her was a moment where she stared death in the face in the murderous, self-righteous rage of her accusers, Jesus immediately turns into a moment of healing and of grace. As the prophet Isaiah said, See, I am doing something new. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? For I put water in the desert and rivers in the wasteland for my people to drink, the people I formed for myself, that they might announce my praise. This is the same grace that each of us encounters when we celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation. Each of us, unlike the woman who is forced against her will to come to Jesus, we come to mercy itself, acknowledging our sins, big and small, public and private, hoping to receive the same word that she did. Nor do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Thus, we are freed of our deadly burden, so we too can, as St. Paul encourages us, forget what lies behind and to strain forward 
to what lies ahead, to the continual, to continue to pursue our common goal, yours, mine, this woman's, and every other human being's goal, the prize of God's upward calling in Jesus Christ, which is nothing less than ultimate freedom from sin and eternal life with God for all eternity.